Good morning, and welcome to episode 50 of Effectively Wild, the Baseball Prospectus Daily Podcast. Uh, now, in episode 50 of Up and In, Kevin and Jason lined up Scott Boris as a special guest. And on episode 50 of Effectively Wild, I have lined up Sam Miller <laughs> in Long Beach, California. And I am Ben Lindberg in New York, New York. Uh, I've spoken to Scott Boris before. Yes, so. yeah, that's right. And you didn't think to to call to connections him. and see what you could do. It wasn't. Um, it it was not so that he could congratulate me on my success <laughs> that yes. I spoke to him. I remember the circumstances. Um, so episode fifty. Do you have any words uh, about the number fifty? Yeah. No. Okay. Do you? Not really. It's a short show. It's uh, it hardly feels fair to pat ourselves on the back for fifty segments this short yeah it's 50 days it's 50 days yeah i mean um yeah 50 that's like two months we've been doing it two months no <laughs> it's not that exciting <laughs> well congratulations to us for sticking with this for two whole months um can i yeah can i quickly uh, address the ongoing controversy over aces in the postseason? <laughs> sure we can just I make have it a, a regular segment I have a theory that might not hold up, but it's a it's a little bit of a theory for why teams with uh, superior aces might not have a, a notable edge in the postseason, as we've talked about repeatedly. Okay. Uh, I wonder if it's the case that the better your ace, the more likely you are to pitch him on short rest, therefore uh, uh, diluting his well, not diluting, but um, mm-hmm. diminishing his his actual greatness and turning him into just a typical number four starter. That is an interesting theory. Um, we should look into it, and we yeah you, <laughs> we should look and see how often that one of us how well one of us should look into it. Yes, maybe one of us will. Um, but yeah, that makes some sense. Uh, some sense. I, I don't there, know. There it are probably the is Cliff Lee types who don't pitch on short rest, even though they are the aces. But I guess on the whole, uh, the people that or the starters that people would consider the ace probably do tend to go on short rest more often than not in the playoffs. So that's uh, it's feasible. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> but it's a theory. It's a. I my guess is that it doesn't um, come up enough that it would sway the numbers back in any direction. But uh, it's a theory. Well, we will. It's not even a theory. It's a hypothesis. Mm-hmm. We'll get to the bottom of this eventually. Someday. Um, what's your other topic? Travis uh, Schneider. Ah, that's a good one. Um, and mine is Melky. Cabrera. Okay. Yes. Uh, Snyder. Snyder or Schneider? Do we need to agree on this? Uh, well, there's no CH involved, right? I mean, I. No, there's not. I think that is probably there... a lot of people pronounce it Schneider, but shall we go with Snyder? I have always gone with Snyder. Snyder. I'm not sure I've ever said the name. <laughs> no, I've Snyder. Probably never said it, um, but that is the way that I would say it. Yeah. Sh- shall I begin the show? Yes, and I. All right. I know what you're uh, talking about. Yeah. So uh, Travis Snyder was a uh, elite prospect with the Blue Jays. Um, bounced up and down between AAA and the majors. Never fulfilled his promise. Was traded to the Pirates, and so on his way out the door, or perhaps afterward, he sat down with uh, Shy Davidi. 
who is a, uh, a reporter who covers the Blue Jays, and had a very long and in-depth conversation about his development and about his time in Toronto. And the result, which is going to be published in three parts, but the first of which was published on Tuesday, is fascinating. And uh, Travis, as well as his coaches, go into great detail about uh, the tension, the friction, the uh, problems that he had with his coaching staff. And um, and I don't know that he goes so far as to blame the coaches, but he clearly uh, uh, feels that it was a, a, it was a, it was an uncomfortable situation playing for a manager and a batting coach that he thought were too critical of him, too, um, uh, too really too immediately critical of him. He tells a story of his very first batting practice as a big leaguer. And uh, after his first, uh, his, uh, sorry, after his second round in the batting cage that day, uh, his batting coach came over and said, "You know, you'll never stay in the majors with a swing like that." Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, and he goes on and on about it. Uh, and you know, in a way, uh, I don't know that Snyder particularly comes off as the mature one here. I, yeah. I don't. I I was going to ask you that because I don't know. Did you get the sense? It could go either way, I think. Did you get the sense that uh, Snyder came off as overly sensitive or difficult to manage, or did you get the sense that Cito Gaston and and Gene Tennis, who he was talking about mostly, um, were in some way out of touch maybe with with the younger generation or or over-managing him to some extent? Well, when I read it, I felt, and I mean, I don't want to, put it on Snyder because I, I mean, I wasn't there and I don't, I don't want to, I don't want him to be criticized for sort of speaking honestly about what the experience was like. But yeah, I mean, he comes off, I think as a person who was, um, uh, you know, when he came up as a 20 year old and for the next couple of years, he was probably too immature to, to take some of these, uh, guidances. There's a, there's an, an example when he had a, I think he had a batted bat or he was late on a fastball or something like that. And he got, he went back to the dugout and Cito Gaston, um, you know, said something to him about the at bat and he told him, you know, don't, don't, he would prefer to be criticized, uh, in the batting cages, not mm-hmm. during a game, which isn't really, I don't think a fair position for a player to have. And mm-hmm. he talks about how he didn't take, uh, he didn't shake Cito's hand once when he was, um, sent down and he seems extremely, sensitive to criticism um, and it seems as though um, more than them losing his trust he just simply chose not to trust anybody else although I guess you could say uh, some of the other examples he gave um, Gaston wanting him to brief him before every at bat uh, about his game plan at the plate which I could see as as maybe being a little burdensome um it could be, but on the other hand, you know, if you're a 21 year old kid and you have seen 30 major league pitchers in your life and mm-hmm. you haven't been doing all that well while you're up there, and you know, it doesn't seem totally unreasonable to me that you would talk to your man. I mean, I guess, I guess we would have to know what the expectation was of the briefing, mm-hmm. but it seems reasonable that you would talk to a coach between at bats, even during a game. Well, we know Mike Trout does. We know Mike Trout does, and uh, voluntarily, and probably annoys everybody because of it. Um, but it doesn't seem like an outlandish um, 
an outlandish situation to me. I mean, it's always hard to say. You could you could you could look at almost any example in here from either perspective, and like there's the case where uh, he was sort of platooning with Fred Lewis, but they were both lefties, so there was no real platoon there. So basically, they were just sharing the spot, and Cito Gaston brought them into the office and said, you know, do you would you guys rather play every other day or would you rather play two games at a time and they both thought that that was weird and mm-hmm. unprofessional and i mean on the one hand sure but on the other hand you know maybe he was just trying to make him feel comfortable it, it's it's really hard to say without being in the room what i really liked about this piece is that it gets you a lot closer to being in the room and yes. i wouldn't i don't know that i would draw any real major conclusions about Travis Snyder or about Cito Gaston and I don't know that that's really the point I think the point was just that um, it was really interesting to see um, the dynamic you don't I don't think you really think about this dynamic all that much and and I think I think about the dynamic even less because I have a hard time remembering that um, that baseball players are younger than me I still think of them as all being older than me mm-hmm. and um, so to 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 be reminded that in fact uh, Travis Snyder is this was the same age that I was when I first got my job, and I bristled against an editor who, for many of the same reasons, and who, in retrospect, I look back at and think, oh well, you know, he was pretty good at his job. I was just, you know, I was too sensitive. To see that is is interesting, and um, I also don't know how much we can conclude about Travis Snyder's development because of this. There are all sorts of reasons that players fail. This was an interesting look at it, and it's suggestive, but um, I don't know. I mean, Snyder hasn't... I, I don't know. I, I don't know that I would pin it totally on this. It's interesting that the Pirates really aren't even playing him right now. He's only started seven games this month, um, and I don't know that the change of scenery is going to be uh, the the fix that everybody was kind of hoping for. I didn't get the sense from the piece that there was really a lot of looking back on his part and and having that realization that maybe he had been overly sensitive or immature at the time. Um, I don't know if it seemed that way to you, but it, it didn't seem to me as if he was, uh, if he felt any differently than he did at the time, really. Um, not that it was all that long ago and, and he's only 24 now. Um, yeah, he's only 24 now. Yes. Which is, you can't say it enough. Mm-hmm. It's incre- it's just incredible. I wonder whether that will follow him around. Um, you don't see players coming out and being that frank about uh, their managers and coaches that often. No, both of those guys are retired at this point, uh, and he has changed teams, of course. But you don't really often see players divulging that much of the uh, manager-player relationship and and what goes on uh, among teammates and that sort of thing. I wonder, I wonder whether anyone would conclude anything about his makeup from that article, uh, whether how he comes off in it or just the fact that he was willing to talk that much about it. Oh, I think there's no doubt that people will. I mean, I, as a person who has asked thousands of people to speak on the record, um, to me over my career I'm obvious I'm grateful anytime somebody (laughs) speaks on the record about these things however as a non-journalist I read this and I think you know it it sort of feels a little bit bitter it's surprisingly candid it's um, it 
happened. I mean, he was just traded two months ago, so it's very raw. I'm, you know, I'm, I am surprised that he did it. I do think it'll probably stick to him a little bit. I, if I were his batting coach right now, <laughs> I would certainly wonder about it. Yes. Um, but Snyder is interesting too, because makeup was a huge part of his prospect status coming up. It was his hit tool and his power and his makeup. Those were the three things. And Jason Parks, when he wrote about uh, Snyder, Earlier this year, in his kind of retrospective of Snyder's failed development, he said his makeup was said to be special and his work ethic was championed by all those who were able to participate or observe his immediate environment. If you spent any time around Snyder, you probably ended up giving his makeup some additional hype. He was that guy. Uh, So it's interesting to see uh, him kind of describe himself as a very fragile and sensitive and, um, you know, in a lot of ways, bitter person and and i think he's i think he's pretty candid about that he i think you're right that when he starts talking about um the when he sort of starts self-assessing himself uh it's less candid it becomes a bit more cliched Mm -hmm. and well one thing jason often writes about is that uh struggling can often either be a good thing for a player or it can possibly reveal uh some cracks in their makeup that we didn't know existed um and Snyder, really before he got to the major leagues, had never struggled. Uh, he was a first-round pick. He pretty much hit all the way up. He hit in his initial exposure to the majors. And uh, so I wonder, maybe he's just a guy who people thought of as a good makeup guy because they never saw him go through a tough time. And when he went through a tough time, he perhaps didn't handle it in the best way possible. I don't know whether that's why he then continued to struggle. There's no way really for us to say that, but sadly, there's no way for us to say anything. Yes, uh, <laughs> yeah, we do it five days a week. It's hard to know. It's hard to know. It's uh, impossible to know his future, and yet it's also surprisingly difficult to know that much about his past. Mm-hmm. This was this was enlightening in a lot of ways. It um, it adds more detail, but also raises more questions. But I would recommend anybody read it because yes. it gives you a, and a where can they book. read it? We should uh, it, I, I don't know. Should we? post it on our yeah we can put it on the on the blog post that we put it it's on sportsnet which is uh, i guess a canadian espn kind of thing yes um okay and as for melky uh the giants are planning to announce his fate in the next couple days probably before thursday or so and it sounds like uh according at least to a washington post report i read that they aren't planning to bring him back for the playoffs. He is, of course, eligible to return after the Giants' first five games. So if they were to make it to the NLCS, he would be able to come back. Um, And, of course, there are a lot of variables here. Uh, The on-field performance, of course, how it would affect the team off the field, all that sort of thing. Um, So it looks like they will make a decision in the next couple days. And I'm wondering what you'd do. Oh, I would play him. I mean, you no would. doubt about it. I never, uh, I mean, <laughs> I'm going to sound all cocky here. I never doubted that Milky would play in the postseason if the Giants made it. And, of course, um, there's probably still a decent chance that he won't. So I'll look stupid. But I, it seems to me pretty obvious that they would play their best players in the postseason when they get there. Yeah, uh, of course, they have played extremely well since uh, Milky was suspended. 
everyone has hit really well. They've scored over five runs per game. Um, they've gone something like 25 and 12. So, of course, they, I don't know whether it's safe to say they haven't missed him, but they have done very well in his absence. And uh, I guess he would mostly be replacing Gregor Blanco if he were to come back, who is okay, I guess you could say. Um, he won't really hurt you, but he he's certainly not Melky before the suspension. Of course, I don't really think Melky before the suspension is what Melky would be like now, um, regardless of, of what he was taking at the time. I think it's very unlikely that he would have continued to play at that level if he had not been suspended, and even if he had continued to take whatever he was taking. So I, I don't know that they'd be getting back the Melky that they lost or that they had before they lost him. And I wonder how big the the difference is or the, the difference in, in win expectancy or championship expectancy putting Melky over Blanco for, uh, you know, 10 games or so. Um, and then there's the whole off-the-field issue. The players will, of course, be forced to answer many more questions about how it will affect them, even if it wouldn't actually affect them. The questions would affect them. Um, um, so. so you don't believe that Melky's a 346 hitter. That's fine. But um, do you think that there's any reason to to, to doubt his 2011 season? Uh, no, I think he could be that guy. Because that's a good, that's a really yeah, good player. Still a good he player. was really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah, there's a doubt that he's better than whomever would be starting in his place. Um, so I guess I, I would say I would start him too, unless I had some perspective from being involved in the team where I felt like the players would object to it on some level. But um, I, I'm guessing the players would probably be okay with anything that would increase their chances of getting a World Series share. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the the argument against using him is not an on the field argument. It's it's the idea is that you you know you don't want to spend the rest of your life apologizing for playing with you know with Melky Cabrera in a tainted season, and I just don't think that that's going to really be an issue. Um, there's I remember when um, Anthony Weiner, the um, congressman in New York, uh, was. Uh, you know, in that Twitter scandal, you remember, yes. everybody remembers. And I remember somebody writing about the way that you survive a political scandal is you simply don't resign. And if you don't resign, they will like you, nobody ever gets forced out for a sex scandal. But a lot of people cave in the days or weeks after and they resign and then it sticks to them for a while. But if you simply just don't apologize and don't resign and just keep doing your job, it just goes away. And there's all sorts of congressmen and senators right now who have had similar sex scandals who are just going about their business and getting reelected every four or six years and i think that the giants if they just don't apologize if they just put the guy on the uh on the field and play um everybody will get past it pretty quickly i mean you just don't hear about ryan braun very much and ryan braun is um, a much higher profile player uh nobody really believes that he was innocent last year um and the brewers just didn't apologize they just plugged him in and played and they won a lot of games because of him and i think that the giants would be perfectly fine i could be wrong about that but if i were a consultant uh an image consultant that's what i would say i would say uh stand proud do your thing don't apologize don't back up because when you start looking defensive that's when you look um weak Mm -hmm. uh well it sounds like they're gonna look weak 
Do you think that he looked weak with his batting title uh, or his complicity in the batting title decision? Yeah. Yeah. I do. Okay. Well, there's your public relations advice of the day. Never apologize. Never apologize unless you want to be a good person. Now, if you want to be, I, I also would recommend apologizing a lot if you want to be a good person. But if you want to be a winner. If you want to win, just stand strong, everybody. All right. So that's 50 episodes in the can. Uh, we will be back with another show tomorrow.